Welcome back to the Wondrous Atlas of Creation's Destiny, the comprehensive guide to all places and plots exalted. I am your host, Rails, and... This is your co-host, Aramithius. So, coming now into the plot-hooking, storytelling bit of the uh, of this solar episode, this is again going to be just as dense and just as free-floaty, because we're dealing with an entire huh. exalt type. There's quite yes. a bit you can do. Yes, just as a warning, we, we are going to be going broad. Um, future episodes of this podcast, when we get down to doing locations, are going to be a bit more focused. So but this is kind of dealing with general types of story rather than the kind of micro types of story, if you like. Um, so if um, so, we, we're looking at plots that are based off the nature of the solar spark uh, or, the na- or the nature of solars. Um, and what that means for the types of story you can tell. So, to open up then, one of the key parts of a solar is the reincarnation, is the memories, is the baggage of one's past lives. And there's a lots of there are lots of ways that you as a storyteller can use those. But if mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, just to push to the moment of panic, this provides you as a storyteller an out if you've tried to be writing a, let's say, a mystery or some other thing and your players just aren't getting it. You can you can have the answer pretty much come to them in a dream because it might have happened before. <laughs> yes, the kind of... If, if your players aren't particularly responsive to your subtle nudges, which can happen then you can just get increasingly unsubtle and this is one good way of doing that yeah and so you can make things make things appear that you you have you have very poignant looking very vivid or poignant dreams that are going to either involve plot elements or involve plot contexts i think is um is possibly the best way to do it and we were chat we were chatting before the cast that um, make it so that it's uh, make it so that it's the same sort of thing, but rewind the clock, and so having it as the vision of the previous um, of the previous exaltation um, just make gives you that much more in terms of how to expand things out, and it also helps give kind give some sort of gravitas to the um, to the stories. I mean, the best way to get players involved is to get is to get them relating to characters, but if you can. If there if there aren't potentially characters to get them to relate to, this is a good shortcut for saying this is going to be important. It's a way of signposting and linking what's going on with the greater plot of the world, um, as well as just the story. Yeah, um, and equally on a less meta level, using the rediscovering your past lives, rediscovering your other memories, and stuff like that. There are some specific stories that really only Exalted can do that lend itself really well to using that, and that is the long game, pretty much. There's lots of cases in all of the books of someone's... like Mentioning the Solar Lunar Mate system seems to be slightly taboo in this edition, um, but it's... It's a whole thing of someone who knew one of your, pra- one of your past versions and can still they seem to flip from author to author and from chapter to chapter in some cases mm-hmm. whether or not supernatural beings can recognise you as the exaltation versus you as the person. Mm. Yes. But that it's... basically means you as a storyteller can decide if they can or not. 
Yes, it makes it very, very easy to kind of hook things in as to um, as to as to what things as to what things mean, and kind of use leave, leave, again leveraging the, the kind of the, the existing connections potentially also as exposition um, as well. I mean, obvi- um, obviously, don't do the thing of just huge, great info dumps of dialogue, but if you can produce a context between characters that is, is assuming the ex, is assuming the spark and the exaltation then um that is going to suggest things to a um, to the players then it makes it that much easier to set the scene it's and equally it it lends itself to one of the sort of if you're running a game for people that are used to dnd pathfinder more standard go in the cave hit the thing steal the treasure sort of game Using this sort of bit of your mem, bit of your past life memories, it kind of lets you. I don't want to say pull the rug out on them from that, but if you are doing this sort of archetypal, here's a dungeon crawl in a manse, go find the cool magical artifact, and then as they're going through it, no, this this isn't just some dungeon. This was your house. You remember this. That's mm. where the kitchen is. That's sort of <laughs> it. You can pull the emotion in slowly through the back door. Almost. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind, of, and it's it just gives it that it just gives it that much more weight. Um, and but one, and it also means that you can potentially make it different to um, different to your standard dungeon crawl um, as well. That it's not necessarily something that is going to um, be full of things that will kill you, but it's just a way of playing out and um, playing out the discovery, so to speak. Um, I personally, um, unless you are going to start introducing lethal elements somewhere, um, I would suggest that this is done as a prelude type thing, um, or uh, maybe as an all-party prelude or something, um, just to kind of so that the players get a sense of their char- of their characters as a whole, because a lot of kind of going through and discovering and discovering what you are and how and how you were. Um, just sets up that level of understanding of a character. Um, so have it early on um, yeah. as in how th- in how things work, and it also potentially serves as a way to bond um, a party of solars together. Uh, if you find they're pulling in different directions, but they all suddenly find that their um, that their characters were um, a circle in a previous life, um, then they have that much more in the way of meaning to link them together. It also lets you really play up the post-apocalyptic aspects that Exalted occasionally yeah. nudges with. Again, I I really like the... I don't know if it's a trope. I've not seen enough public games where it's happened to confidently call it a trope, but I really like the thing of, no, this dungeon you were struggling with, no, this was yours, or this was some benign civilian thing back in the day. I, yeah. I, like, I like that whole thing of... Again, the, the standard one with me is is the only one I've used of, no, 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 this was your house. Mm. And now it is ruined and everything is burned out and there's ghosts and all of the whole all of the whole rest of the bit. Yeah, the kind of... Look at um, what has become of the wonders. The, 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 way, the way that I kind of imagine that is kind of blink and they kind of see flashes of what it was. Mm. Um, if you've seen the end of Battlestar Galactica... Um, I kind of imagine that sort of a scenario where they come into contact with the wall and they suddenly realise and then there's a bit of a replay of a past life 
um, that go that goes on in full in full color with people and lots of stuff going on that is manifestly different to how it's happening at the moment. Or for completely the opposite end of the tonal spectrum, for those of us that haven't seen Battlestar Galactica, yep. that bit in the animated Anastasia movie where the uh, Once Upon a December. Ah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just yep, for two completely that... different ways of playing that. That works as well. <laughs> yeah. And you can also potentially tailor it a bit um for the um for um for the different casts as well. And they they can also provide different types of drama. Like the um if you want to set up the search, you can do your standard kind of um Tem- um, Lost Temple in the Jungle thing, as much as they're terrible, terrible racist origins for that trope, um, that um, that um, then rediscover- rediscovering it and going full archaeologist is absolutely a Twilight type thing to do. Um, whereas if you start, um, whereas if you can, um, if you can potentially say that you want to. Um, want, and want to restore something to its former glories, lead people in a particular way, and then you can start. Br- then you can start bringing in zenith type elements to, um, to, um, to kind of make creation great again in some ways. Um, if you're if not the, yeah, and if you're not the first person to find it, in come the dawns. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> and it all it it all works that way. Um, I don't know how you do it with a night cast, honestly. Other than like maybe uh, the old thief games. Of, yeah, I'm not interested in the building. I'm interested in the loot. <laughs> yes, and then the loot becomes the thing that's the focus. Mm. Um, you just sh- you just shift it to being instead of about the context, about the artifacts, which the nightcast will then remember. Because you can break into windows and do the whole do the whole Batman bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. We okay. We need, we probably need to find some ways to make things make knights not Batman. Um, what? The flip side is making them ninjas, which is even more creatively bankrupt, is the problem. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, as, as the stealth... Because the casts aren't as strong character things, because intimacies exist, frankly, yeah. which are the way that you actually denote what your character is, yeah. your cast doesn't say much other than what you can do, not what you are like. And so it really does yeah. just come down to, what's the skill set? Yeah, it's the Batman skill set. <laughs> Mm. That makes sense, yeah. And like yeah. Twilight, the way you've written Twilight, is a nerd. Because that's the <laughs> one inescapable fact of their skill set. They're a nerd. Yes. Um, which is kind of another way of um, sort of doing it. Again, if we, we, I think the, the stuff that we've talked about um, pre, um, pre-episode that we're going through now is um, leaning leaning a lot on, on Exalted as something um, as something post-apocalyptic because the other way of doing it is kind of leading people to recreate the first age, which is only something really that Solars can do. They've no one else has got the mojo to do it. Yeah. Um, to so be fair, the- to be fair on on the whole, like where we've been leaning into the post-apocalyptic, I'd say that is also equally a uniquely solar thing, because they're the ones that have been... They're the only yeah. one that have been out of the picture for a long time. Yeah. Everyone else has kind of had this contiguously. So it's yeah. sort of the thing of... The solars, for them... But they never say how past life memories work, so you can't really say if it's do you just get the last one or do you just get like the highlights of whichever ones. But I tend to always imagine that you just get the one that you had before this... Because mm-hmm. it will eventually go out. Um, 
memories will eventually go out or get filtered down or get jumbled up, but you've got, you'll get the clearest ones of the one just before this. For Solars, that's still first age. They, mm. they, come, they come into the picture. The last time they were here, it was the first age. Everything was great. Now they're here. They don't have the... Lunars and Sidereals and everyone else, they saw the transition. They are more likely to be not okay with the state of things, but more... A solo will be the sort of person that will see this and will fight against it, not because, oh, it's unjust, oh, it's bad, but because they genuinely do not understand how you could have done this to the world. Mm. Mm. Yeah, although that is, to an extent, playing up the whole kind of notion of um, the exaltation and the reincarnated memories oh, and all yeah. the rest of it are a bigger part of the psyche. That's... Yeah, um, you, you, you need to be able to talk that through with players to, yeah. as to how much as to how much that that plays a part because it can be seen to undermine player agency. You'd need to, yeah. to tread it a little carefully. Yeah, it's it's more just that on the sort of on the meta level, Solar's mm-hmm. coming back. All of the setting sort of treats that as this is the big point of change because they are back. They are the hangover of the first age, which was yes. their age. It's the sort of yes. They are the stand-in for the yep. good times. They were gone, yep. look what happened, now they're back. That sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. And the and the way that you plan to play that out of, as 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 a as a kind of a type of story, um, is to get them to start recreating the first stage is the way is the way I see it. Um you can then get a lot of um, a lot of quests that are focused around either gathering the lost knowledge, which is probably going to be the bulk of it. Um and then the means with which to do the rebuilding. Um, so you'll be tracking down particular types of magical materials, going to particular locations that have um, that have particular geomantic properties, that sort of thing, uh, which can make you quite um, can make it quite um, quite a diverse game. Even if you are trying to just rebuild one kingdom, you're going to be doing a lot of adventuring to bring everything together. Um, uh, you do kind of need a a kind of a fount of knowledge to kind of say, oh, we need this, um, which kind of is means that those those sorts of games are probably best done with a Twilight present, um, just because they're going to be the ones who are drawing up the plans and that and that, and saying, oh, this this bit's missing. Can we go get it? Or equally, mm. if you don't want if you don't want to have a twilight there, but you still want to have a checklist given, the books do give you the wonderful cop out for the party that has no interest in any thinking. <laughs> the cult of the illuminated exists, who can give you a quest list. Mm. That is true. Um, the, the cult of the illuminated being the sidereals who are um, who are on the side of the of the solars. But and they 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 can be your kind of your 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 quest giver, um, if you like. Um, you, it, well, it depends. It, depending on how you want to play the cult of the illuminated, um, you can either have them as the que- as the quest givers, um, with a with a sidereal attached, or you can potentially um have them as a cargo cult without the sidereal, um, mm. and so they're basically there to fulfil the functions of, um. Of make of make make the soul make the solars feel good, but not actually be that helpful. Yeah. Um, depending on what your, what narrative way you want to lean it, I mean, to me that feels like you could lean into the tragedy of the whole thing. Yeah, but 
I I tend to lean into it more as the as the quest giver, and sometimes even not mm. necessarily as a beneficial thing. But as the law side of this established, I have issues with sidereals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but yeah, there, there 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 will be there will be some quid pro quo, of course. Yeah, That's... they have a goal that just so happens to use you. Is um, yes, but yeah, it's the thing. Of, they are the people, even as the cargo cult style, even if you don't have a sidereal in there. Their entire theology is all about how sort of great you can all make it. You can even just use them as the if they're a cult, if they have any sort of number of people and are established, or they have the local knowledge. Like, yes, you, they might not be able to tell you where you can get the crazy artifacts to do whatever insane super duper first age monument you need, but they can tell you who to talk to to find out about ruins. They can tell you who to talk to to do this, that, and the other. They have your local knowledge. They can still kind of serve as. Not necessarily a quest giver, but definitely a hint box. Mm. Yeah, and also potentially a way to sink merits in, and a way to link merits into the game. Because if you're if you have someone with a bunch of followers, um, but you you have no idea what to do with it, yeah, a cult a cult of the illuminated without outside direction makes sense. Um, I I don't know whether we necessarily say that a cult of the illuminated is therefore anything that worships solars. It's a very, very definite term in previous editions. But Yeah, I, I assumed it was a specific mm, entity and then other yeah. solar cults just kind of are independent things that will pop up around solars because that man just lifted a house. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, there, um, there, was, there, was a, there was a whole book about it in, I want to say first edition, but I can't remember. Yeah, um, it, it, there but, was a whole book about yeah. the Cult of the Illuminators. Yeah, and it, I got the, and there was talk about kind of training camps and all this, that, and the other that was quite a coordinate, that sounded like it was quite a coordinated um, sidereal gold faction thing. They can probably also serve as an elevator to wider things if your players get bogged down in specific areas um or um or you just want them to move them on to slightly more involved plots if they're getting perhaps too comfortable with the setting using a using a sidereal in general to yank on a solar's chain is probably a good way to do it yeah and equally they they're good to use as gray figures Mm, yes ethically speaking it's because their whole thing is that they're manipulative yes and you can you can argue whether or not they're doing a good thing but they want to manipulate you that will make that will manifest as giving you quests if you're a heroic party that will manifest mm. as lying to you if you are off doing your own crazy thing mm. yeah it's also a good way to kind of have a framework for new players actually that yeah. um, if they if you if you need an exposition machine that also functions as quest giving because players aren't used to the amount of power that exalted gives you then the cult Here's of the illuminated will old, yeah will Here's go. this funny old man that tells you that tells you what to do heck you can even you can even really use them as your as your entire tutorial system by your going for your classic anime kung fu mm. movie training arc mm. Yes, um, and then that can potentially serve as a way of getting people used to the idea of doing descriptions and so on, because montages are a thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's... I am imagining, of course, your uh, Cult of the Illuminated Sidereal person here is looking like the, uh, like, La Poo from Kill Bill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, or Mr. Miyagi, depending on your flavour. That, that depends, but uh, Mr. Miyagi yeah. feels more inherently modern. <laughs> yes. I can't yeah, imagine that's a enough. sidereal in a boiler suit, or like just a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
if he's pretending to be the, the if he's pretending to be the monastery and uh, the monastery's janitor or something, kind of doing the whole loot C package from Discworld. Yeah. But but, but anyway. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> For the sidereal episode. <laughs> yes, absolutely for the sidereal episode. We should probably talk about the Immaculate Philosophy for a bit. Yeah. Um, They're going that... to be a feature. Unless you're playing your game in the middle of in the middle of the Far East where realm isn't a language anyone's even heard of, you're going to be dealing with Immaculates. Hmm? Yes, or at least Immaculate Faithful. Um, yeah. the, the, the Immaculate Order... Um, probably isn't going to be too much of a thing outside of say uh, outside of the Blessed Isle and pockets of the Northern Threshold. Um, the is the impression I get. Yeah, I suppose. It's yeah, I understood. It's it's the Immaculate mm. Order wherever the realm has any political power, and yeah, in the places where the realm has shaky power, it's the order that keeps it there. Yes, mm. and then um, it's just the Immaculate Faith or Immac- sorry, mm. the Immaculate Philosophy everywhere else. Yeah, where it's politically a different entity uh, at the higher levels, it's the same people. <laughs> yes, but and but the, these are kind of your go-to antagonists in a lot of ways. If you're yeah. looking for people that can deal with um, with solars without making them so without making them solars, throw some immaculate monks in there. Um, it's it's a, it's potent- I I'd say um, I'd say avoid that if at all possible because you need some more context. Um, so, which is why, um, if you're looking to have um, characters who um, who were immaculate monks in um, in pre-exaltation or some, had some ties to the immaculate faith at all, um, or the immaculate philosophy, sorry, yes, you are using the right term there. Um, that um, and so it, it, it for starters has some fantastic um, potential for soul searching um, if you can have. People that will challenge the um, the new solar as to why they as to why they are different as to why they shouldn't be exterminated or um, and and grappling with how they feel about um, becoming the thing that they hated. Um, you can really but, make this a push and pull mm, by friends yeah. and family as well, frankly. Yeah. Because the the general assumption is that if you encounter a person, they're probably an immaculate. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so it's the sort of thing of you, the solar, have just exalted. I mean, the standard heart way to really pull on the heartstrings um, mm. would be have you exalt uh, in a time of threat, be that fairies, ghosts, whatever, monster of the week. Um, have the nice, cool fight scene so that your players can oh, yeah, so that your players can uh, your players can get to grips with the combat system a bit, have a bit of fun whacking things with sticks or blasting things with sunlight nukes or whatever they want to do. And then once you've saved everyone, the village is still getting its pitchforks because you're an anathema and you're bad. Yes, or if you want to kind of lean on the um, on the um, the tones of the so- of solar exaltation still being dangerous, still being dangerous, then have some of their powers go on overkill and kill someone mm. they care about in the process. Because um, exaltation in general is dangerous. I mean that that tends to get emphasised a bit more with dragon blooded, but it still can be a thing with. Um, with yeah. um, with solars as well. Uh, as I understood it, dragon blooded exaltation mm. is dangerous because of the exaltation. Solar yes. exaltation is dangerous because of the exalt. Because solars yeah. forget what they were doing at yeah. the time they exalt. Because it's like the standing one of the games that I'm actually being a player in is basically doing the hangover with your own solar exaltation. Oh wow! Of trying to basically <laughs> back the right of you've woken yeah. up here now. Yeah. Work out. What the hell happened? Because you remember being a yeah. person, and you wake up here 
you don't remember the intervening period. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And one of the other ways to kind of use the Immaculate Philosophy um, is that it's not all bad. Um, mm. it, it's that um, it can they can quite often be the ones dri- driving to do the right thing. That's um, that's one thing that um, that they've kind of hammered home a bit in some of the realm books for third for third edition is that um, that immaculate monks are quite often the ones leading the rebellion um, because the local satrap or the local um, the local governance or whatever um, haven't been living up to their own ex- um, expectations. Um, yeah. Or to to what or to what the immaculate faith says they should be. If the dragon blooded aren't acting as the ordained sons of heaven or daughters of heaven, sorry, um, then um, then the immaculate order will kick off. Yeah. Um, and so you can have so you can start to have solas potential. I don't know about necessarily fighting alongside. That's possibly a bit too direct. But having. Um, the Immaculate Order, in a local sense, being very much geared in the same direction as the Solars. So you can say, well, they're, they're both doing the right thing um, and fighting alongside. Then there's that moment of, oh, we're actually not really re- wanting to relate in any way, shape or form. And we- there's fundamental differences in the reasons as to how um, how things should resolve or whatever. Um, there's definitely mileage for, and this is probably something to do across like, an entire story, of basically trying to open up some of the... And it'd only be the low-level ones, but trying to open up some of the low-level monks um, of, like, your local mm. monastery or temple or whatever to maybe don't kill on sight, like, trying to be trying to be the hero, trying to be good. It would be... I think it would play a lot like... Um, yeah, I think the best analogy, actually, is probably your X-Men or your Spider-Man sort of thing of, here's the superhero that the official... Dem- dislikes but he's slowly twisting them over because look he's just doing good mm. yeah and it's that sort of thing and you can do it with a lot of the lower level immaculates because they're people ultimately and they will i mean it works with origin i believe in what it's actually preaching as ideas more so than the literalism of the law eventually and <laughs> the immaculate philosophy does pretty much just sort of say on a theological level it's it is pretty much pseudo-Buddhist. It is try mm. and be good to people, try and keep creation going. And so if you, a solar, just keep saving people and helping people and don't be the demon that they keep saying you are, mm-hmm. there is there is a chance for the lower-level ones to be switched around. Actual dragon-blooded ones? Probably not. No. <laughs> the mysterious old man they keep in their basement who writes all their orders? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but the human ones... There's mileage there for... And it would be... I would make it the focus of an entire story of just probably having the two factions of the party on the one hand doing their thing and yep. the local monastery cleaning up the mess almost. Um, and yeah. sort of slowly as it's, they dovetail into the same. Yeah, it's... And you it, depending on quite how much you want to kind of lean into the into the character side of it because I would, I would see that kind of a story as being quite focused on... Um, on interpersonal relations, yeah, um, and not um, not every party is going to be quite so involved with the kind of the um, the the kind of dark night of the soul and the philosophical debates happening in character oh, yeah, that that will involve. Punch, some of them may just punch yeah. them the first time they call them a, a whatever any of the lists of insults for each type of soul that there were because there are there's a whole <laughs> list of them and they're great. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's the the slurs are fantastic. Um, 
that and if you can kind of and again use those and have 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 those have those in mind when you are trying to critique what the solas are doing um as well um if you're um if you're trying to bring up that um, that idea of the ideological conflict, then you can point. Um, then you can use immaculate characters to say we were right about you all along. Um, look, um, look at what you've look at what you've just done, um, which can then bring about some more soul searching and so on. Yeah, but of on, course- the flip, on the flip side, from from the very dramatic, philosophical, more performance-heavy role-playing, I'd say that's yeah. sort of immaculate game. You can go for what is. Basically, the other end of the standard Dragonblood game for a Wild Hunt one, which oh, yes. for a solar game, I wouldn't necessarily say a solar game can be entirely that. I think a solar game needs something else, but this as a recurring villain bit, yes, works. Um, it's kind. I would almost see that. Um, well, one way of doing that is um, having having an empire building solar game um, that you build up. You build up a kingdom. You build up support, and then you've got the Wild Hunt as um, as an opposing military force, in a way, um, okay. it depending on what's. I mean, that would happen quite late on. I think um, early, early on, you're probably dealing a bit more with the sort of the covert, several series of dragon-blooded spies sent to kill you sort of thing. Yeah, um, that's that's something. I, I I've always been envisioning the Wild Hunt as pretty much a party of dragon-bloods as compared to an army. Um, mm. But yeah, it's the sort of thing. I almost use a Wild Hunt in the sort of sense highest where there is. In, in, I wouldn't use it in an empire building game because you're by necessity going to be quite static there. But in yeah. any one way, you are doing a bit of globe trotting. Having them be your ticking clock is a very nice little way of doing it. Yeah, and a recurring antagonist as well. Yeah. If they can kind of kind of slip through the fingers as the boats kind of, and they can kind of stand there on the shore shaking Waving their, their fists, fists while <laughs> <laughs> while, um, while the while the players sail off to the next destination or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that and that that can work quite nicely. Um, it's um, although one of the tricky things that I I would see with that sort of a setup is it's difficult to have recurring villains because where they are literally trying to kill you all the time, you have very little incentive for the prior characters to leave them alive. Yeah, that's that's why I sort of I lean into it more as a, more of a chase than mm. a than than a fight because a stand up fight, yeah. It either requires you to sort of have your have one of these people on a thing dick dastardly run away at the last minute, yeah, or or it sort of requires you to just accept yeah they're going to kill them eventually. Um, the, yeah, it's... yeah, but having it as a chase, it's like what I said, using them as your ticking clock. Mm-hmm. That that has more mileage to it, especially yeah. if you do the thing of your solar party keeps hearing rumors about the wild hunt that's coming, keeps it hearing about the. Um, because whilst the populace will be very against you if they know what you are, and so you have to be like in your cowls, going like Aragorn into the uh, into the prancing pony through places so that you don't get caught. These guys will be marching into the to the to the acclaim and love of the populace because ah, they're the fa- they're the fabled heroes that have slain the big elemental that was ruining the local field one time, mm. and other such. You get that nice. It's good not just for the team, but also for building that sense of contrast of you know that you are, especially if you've got a zenith in your party, you were told that you are so much more than them. <laughs> yes. But you're here cowering in the corner and they're marching in 
receiving all the food, all the drink, all the money. Mm. Yeah, which is which is a reason why I would tend to go with Wild Hunt as army, yeah. um, personally, because because it gets, gives that sense of overwhelming force that you are going to have to do something special, pull something big out of the bag to be able to deal with. Um, if you if you're dealing with um, with with a with a bunch of specialized killers, a um, a, a sworn kinship of dragon blooded that are just designed to infiltrate and kill anyone they find. That's um, that um, that is less likely to um, to result in a chase scenario, in my opinion. Yeah, it's um, it's it depends. You can give them um, you can potentially give them reasons for it to be a chase rather than a kill. And um, one of the ways that I would do that is have them. Um, n- have them either know or be friends with, or um, with um, the members of the Wild Hunt from before the exaltation. So they they're going against their existing intimacies yeah. to um, to do that. That or, would require some coordination with the players to start yeah. with, though. Or equally, um, and again, this is entire. I'll, I'll put my hands up here and say the entire reason that I I put so much into this. I never really con- even conceived of the ah yeah this is an entire army still getting called a wild hunt. Mm, I assumed it was always mm. a party um, mm. because I assumed it was always a thing that dragons did and you don't send mortals on it mm, because yeah. that's a way to get them killed. Um, but the even then, if you if you still have them outnumber the the party significantly, it doesn't yes. have to be to the order of ten tens hundreds or whatever. It's like Again, my standard group mm. has two players, and so it's yeah. something, a party of five dragons. That's still dangerous yeah. enough that yeah, okay, you might make the mistake of oh, they're just dragons. I can take them. You'd make that mistake once. Once, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Particularly if you particularly if you build them well. I've seen situations where you've had um, three dragon blooded take down a solar um, very handily. Mm. Um, so I mean, this is one of the advantages mm. of third edition focusing on mm. balance so much. Yeah. It's, even though fluff-wise, it you probably stu- still do want to be fielding four or five dragons to each solar. Like <laughs> yep. mechanically, you can probably do it with two or three. Maybe yeah. even one if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Also, depend. I mean, that depends to an extent on players because um, if 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 they if they're trying still trying to be undercover, then um, then yes, it's go. Um, they'll have. Um, more opportunity to kill to kill the solar. Whereas if the solar is prepared to go in all guns blazing, um, literally, um, yeah. then um, then it's going to be a serious problem. That you'll you'll have you'll have them blowing off tw- um, blowing off twenty and um, twenty thirty essence by um, by the second round of combat, and they will have flattened anything that comes anywhere near them. But then that's one of the things you can do with so well, with exalted in general, really, but with solars particularly because of their whole shtick. Um, is it's less the can you do this because the answer yeah. for solos especially is almost always yes 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 but it's should you should you mm-hmm. yeah um, and that's that's sort of thing the the price of power sort of thing that you can do with them yeah and if you can find way it depends on it I mean it depends on quite how much your players are willing to um, are willing to put up with the game of consequences yeah um, is um. It's impre- impressing on them reasons not to do certain things beforehand, um, and so again, it's ma- it, with with solars. A lot of it is making them feel the weight of the choices. You you are you are dealing with big stakes. You are dealing with world shaking power. Act like that means something. Yeah. Is the way is the way that that needs to be it's, done. 
As I say, it's the standard example in that case of the dragons fight. The dragons are fighting you, but you're trying to stay undercover. It's like, yeah, you could drop this guy in like two turns flat, but the moment you start showing that anima off, you're not welcome in this town anymore. Mm. Yes. And are you willing to pay that price? Are you willing to basically be kicked out of here mm. to win this fight, or will you sort of take your lumps where the dragon beats on you a bit and then is satisfied? Okay, you're probably just a mortal or something like that, and Leaves. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair enough. Um, uh, either as and as much as the dragons are sort of the the standard um, the standard antagonist, what um, we talked a bit about kind of so, um, solar antagonists. What would you do to make decent so, decent solar antagonists? As as solars solars as, solars as antagonists, solars as villainous. I, I will go yeah. one step beyond with them. Okay. Honestly, I think they have the most mileage. Just like they have the most mileage for heroics, they have the most mileage for not necessarily evil per se. There are some abyssals, infernals that are keyed directly to being nefarious even when they're trying to be nice. Um, yes. But souls are best for your grand dramatic villainy. <laughs> because their whole yeah. thing is basically, in a game where everything is larger than life, Solars are seen as larger than life. Yeah, if you're going to have your doomsday machine, it's going to be a solar that builds it. Yeah. Um, if there's if there's going to be, uh, well, I, I, I was about to say if there's going to be an all conquering army, it's going to be a solar that's leading it. But no, lunars can fill that as well. Lunars can fill that as well. So could so could abyssals. Lots of people yeah. could have all conquering armies. Yeah, that's fair enough. But Solas yeah. do it with the most style. Yeah. I mean, the, the Bull yeah. of the North, who I'm eternally surprised we didn't manage to mention in the in the pre- This is true. Bit, um, <laughs> yeah. It's the Bull of the North. It's like, yeah, there probably are, well, we know, the Lunas have led armies and reached havoc mm. before, Abyssals have done it before. But the Bull's the one people know, because the Bull's the one who not only led an army and conquered, but styled on an Imperial Legion while doing so. Yes. And yes, you can uh, read that's because the entire setting turned against said Legion, but it doesn't take away from the achievement of you still beat them, though. Yes. Uh, that's, um, that's the thing that I've... Um, the, the Bull of the North, I think, is quite a, is potentially a neat solar antagonist. Um, yeah. Because the way... Um, I was kind of thinking of... Tr- trying to think of ways to use him as an antagonist. Um, just because there, um, particularly if you go to some of the older editions, his his circle is detailed as doing a lot. Um, yeah. Whereas he doesn't really have a circle in third edition, so you I, use that yeah. as you mean. So um, did they but, explicitly say that he doesn't have one in third? Because I've still assumed that he's that he's got one until told otherwise. Oh yeah, it's not it's, it's not been yeah. mentioned. It's it's not been mentioned, but. I, I didn't pick up on any cues to, to suggest that he has others like him, whereas 2nd edition says, yeah, there's a Twilight who's actively trying to desalinate a huge frozen lake um, which um, and, and rebuild some first age tech to make this settlement viable again. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> that it's um it's it's not as bald it's not as bald that there's no mention of anyone trying that sort of thing in relation to the bull. It's just the bull's raised a conquering army. Um yeah, but it's the thing of solar villains. This is going to be flying in the face of what third tries to do, but you have to forget the gritty sort of. You have to forget <laughs> the, the the gritty low. Oh, look at us! We're wallowing in the muck, sort of thing. Now, if you're a solar villain, you're written by Shakespeare. You're wearing big flappy gloves and making grand <laughs> proclamations. Yes, 
Like even yeah. a knight, even a knight cast villain who mm. has so actually no, I think a, a, a knight cast has a lot of mileage. I, I wouldn't say they have the most, um, but a mm. knight cast villain that will be like well, if anyone's seen the boys, that'll be Black Noir out off of the boys. Oh yeah, mm, it's the sort of thing of mm. he's just there and. You don't know why he's here, but he comes in, and then there's bodies, and then he's gone. But yes, solar villains. I would say the more the more socially inclined ones are going to be the ones that are more interesting to use as villains. But that just tends yes. to be how I write. Plus Twilights, but Twilights I would almost I would almost argue are almost always unintentionally villains. <laughs> they are antagonists, but not villains. Twilights because. Their problems will be things going wrong. <laughs> They're generally the best type of vi- type of villains, though, if I'm honest, because even um, even Thanos was a hero of his own story. Yeah, but then I'd, I'd argue that some that sort of Thanos motivation, I'd say that still works for a Zenith more than it does for a Twilight. Oh yeah. Whereas yeah, a, a Twilight that. is going to be your sorcerer's sorcerer's, mm. sorcerer's apprentice. The, the spell's gone wrong. Oh yeah. God, look what we've done, sort of thing. Yeah, for something like the Bull, um, it's. It'll be a, it'll be a clash of it'll be a clash of priorities because the bull is very much tied to the ice walkers um, and trying to establish his people um, and so on. It's why he I, I, I that's my read as to why he hasn't gone further. Yeah, because um, he's snowy Moses. Yeah. Although, um, um, running into the issue of where did the Haslanti fit into this? Because third wants to pretend that they're not a thing anymore. Mm. Uh, I, I I kind of read him as Snow Genghis Khan, but yeah. Um, but then again, he doesn't. Again, he stops. That that's the thing. That's the thing that gets me. He has a lot. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. He's yeah. It's it's the ocean. He kind of reaches the end of that plateau and and Snowy stops. Alexander. Yeah. Snow <laughs> Snowy Alexander. That that's yeah. And and you have many and various ways you can spin that. Actually, the kind of reason reasons for his death or something like that if you want to go that far um but um basically you need to find um need to find ways to get the if you um to get the party to oppose the ice walkers is how i would use the bull as a villain get um wet, wet, and i think that's general principles for any solar villain get that give them full-on motivations and then give people legitimate reasons to oppose those motivations yeah i mean the the, the quickest and easiest way I think of sort of doing that is basically um, if you wanted to probably, yeah, the only reason I can find for you opposing the Ice Walkers as compared to just sort of crashing on their turf would be if you give the Solars their own people they're trying to save. And if it's in the north, that's one of the, that far north is one of the exceptions to you'll be finding in that killers because yeah. that far north they don't care about it because the gods here have, the gods here have hands. Yes. <laughs> Mm. And so they actually tend to worship them. Mm-hmm. That's that's the other thing that you can do with solars. That yes, you can do with all exalts, but it's so much more stylish when you do it with solars. Of the fight a god on session one, go. Yes, I've actually done a one shot with that. Um, um, when we get the um, wondrous atlas website up and running, um, where we're collating all of these ideas and stuff, I will p- absolutely put the write up of um, of that what of that one shot idea of you take down a god. Um, in in session one and everything that that means, um, yeah. So it's these are things that souls are good yeah. for. The I mean the the standard little put it on the cereal box line for what you do with a solar game is just whatever you do, do it big. Yes, yes. Even if it's small scale and small stakes, you need to make it dramatically 
big because that's what solar's are. Yes. Um, yeah, which um, c- which kind of brings us into the next thought. We've talked about general. Um, we've talked about general um, thematic ideas so far as to how how to use solars in your in your games. Um, the location dependent stuff um, that um, we're not going to go into too much detail for specific locations because again we've got a bunch of location based episodes coming. Um, but um, the f- the first thought of that is the um, playing a solars game. Um, as part um, as part of the realm and trying to remain undercover, but possibly the most serious, most dramatic way of doing this is how Solar's in the Blessed Isle. Um, yeah, I was going to say we call this hard mode. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a, any sort of hint that um, that any that a, that a Solar is around will end up with a lot of immaculates. There's no chance that mm. um, that you'll get the peasants on your side um because the instant the peasants are they are dispossessed and every and everything about them is burned because there's yeah. there is the house legions there to enforce all that um particularly given the time setting of exalted because everyone's coming home because the of the impending civil war so everyone's on edge everyone's looking suspicious that you have every you have every right to make this game about paranoia and oh no, what's going what's going to happen if everything goes wrong? Um, that you put one toe put one toe out of line and everything you care about is burned. Yeah, you want if you want to make your your exalted game feel like Call of Cthulhu, you set it. I was gonna say I would have gone one step further than the blessed up. Say in the Imperial City, <laughs> you cannot you cannot so much as breathe solely. <laughs> I, I um, wouldn't say that they ex um, that they exalted in the Imperial City. That no, that's no, no, going to no, make no. life very complicated. But no, but yeah. having it, having them be there. I mean, yeah. Hell, you mentioned the Civil War. Yeah. If you want to have that sort of very very high risk, very very high reward, there's there's measures for some solars with beef against the realm. They may have even exalted off of the Isle. They may have exalted like out in the sky, yeah. out in the north, wherever. And they've come to the Isle because everyone knows there's something's about to kick off, and they're going to make sure that it kicks off bad yes in which case you're looking for an awful lot of social manipulation and, and everything else um in which case it's the the setup for that is a lot is a lot of political npcs with intimacies out the wazoo and um and a lot of a lot of stuff clocked into the and um, the immaculates um you've also for that sort of a situation i would try and find reasons to try and convince players to use their essence um beyond the normal yeah. give, give 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 them temptations to do it and reasons to turn it down uh, they've got they've got the yeah. hammer of essence and you're just laying out a lot of nails yes <laughs> yes that's absolutely that's absolutely the thing um exactly i'm not sure quite what those look at look like having said that because i mean apart from just pumping vast amounts of personal essence into excellencies um the so- there's the social side yeah. sure but equally, you can give them a lot of... Because the key thing is here, they're hiding that they're solar. They're also going to have to be hiding that they're anything other than immortal, which does yeah. mean that in lots of cases, you can play to the solar hubris a lot by making them just sort of... I, I like the bit of... Again, this is assuming... I'm assuming there has to be an eclipse somewhere, because if you're doing a game this political, someone's putting an eclipse yes. in it. Mm. It's mm-hmm. it's that sort of bit of where you are having to make them deal with the Immaculate Order specifically. Perhaps even just sort of the bit of the really the thing with Souls. If you've got players that understand Soul as well, when they see an Immaculate Monk preaching in the street about the evils of the Solar Devil, 
they'll want they'll want to sort of stand up and start arguing with him. You give them that sort of bit, <laughs> or equally, the real challenge. You put you put an anathema NPC of some kind in there that they've got, and you go for the public execution thing of just like, yeah, you want to try and save them. You know what this does. Yep. <laughs> you get outed. You get another. You get an NPC party member here, but this is you. This is you out now. If they got it, because they yep. they do sort of make a thing throughout that a lot of the anathema, if they don't get killed on site, they get brought to the aisle to be thrown in the thrown in the superdome. Yes. Mm. Um, absolutely. It's kind of you. Yeah. The emphasis of you know what the consequences are if you don't do something. Um, sort of thing. Yeah. That's that's, that's the sort of thing. It's like you've got to. You've just got to keep giving them moral quandary after moral quandary of how far are you willing to compromise yourself to get this goal of basically blowing the realm up yeah absolutely i mean then you've also got you've also got the smaller stakes one of that of doing something similar in a satrapy um oh yeah and, or yeah i mean out in the west is the default way to yeah. do this start the war in the west as a solar mm. yeah and steal yeah. a boat fly a net fly a pelops flag <laughs> start blowing things up for fun. <laughs> Yes, which is also a very good way to get um, get everyone used to all of the various combat situations because you're dealing with strategic stuff there. You're dealing with naval combat, and uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I know naval combat needs work. <laughs> yeah, you can you can do that in a sanctuary. Yeah, uh, you could do that in a city. Frankly, out, I think out of charge end you could do that in a city. Um, um, but yeah, mm. equally, we mentioned the bull earlier. There's lots of merit for the bull as a villain. Mm-hmm. There's equal merit for the bull as not necessarily a hero, unless you do this in a very specific place, but as model, because everyone's heard about yes. him. That's kind of his thing. You are a solar, fresh, probably freshly exalted, and all you know is the bull of the north. He he freed his... Like, okay, we know he's evil and all they've said that, but now thinking of it, I'm one of those. I kind of get a host with, oh, he just freed his people from X or Y or oppression get me my crook it's time to be moses <laughs> yeah and just yeah and it's it's that bit of either kicking out the local satrap or uh kicking out the guild because where the realm isn't the guild is yes and they're arguably even worse yes because <laughs> they won't have any truck with any exalts whatsoever but also equally they're a lot easier to beat up <laughs> because they're all human which makes them perfect for your sort of starter adventure villain yeah of they hate you they're pretty much irredeemable <laughs> yeah they have got the whole they are the biggest slavers um in the setting so they're the biggest slavers. They are the malign face of capitalism in every possible way. Yes. Like, they do the slavery, they wreck places, um, they, the stuff they do in the north is, I mean, it's the sort of thing of the Haslanti Empire, at least back when the Haslanti Empire was written about, it kills guild caravans on site at the border because of how the guild ran the place when it was in charge. Yes. They are the, um, Again, in just the eternal string of references to things that have very little exalted theming, um, they are the company from Snowpiercer. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. They are all, all the Wayland Corporation. But yeah. although the, the, although the the Wayland is a bit less, um, is a is a bit more R and D than the Guild. But yeah, they're your they're your bad everything company. <laughs> yes. Evil Incorporated. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 
And I think that's about run the gamut of all of the hook ideas that we had. Was there anything else that's sort of come up for you as just brief hooks while we've been while we've been discussing stuff? Um, I was gonna say other, other than the default game, which I can't even say is the default solo game. It's just the default exalted game, which is here you are in the hundred kingdoms. Go do Kingmaker. Yeah, <laughs> which is. <laughs> It feels almost lazy to mention because it is so much the default game. Yeah, it's 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 finding ways of making that interesting yeah. um, is is the is the trick. I mean, the more interesting one I find than the Hundred Kingdoms is doing something in the Scavenger Lands because that's basically the only bit of creation mm-hmm. that isn't actively hostile to human life that isn't particularly strongly immaculate. You've got Luxshy, yeah, but everywhere else yeah. kind of is a bit more religiously tolerant. Um, yeah, it's 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 kind of your excuse to build your own to build your own setting. That's that's yeah. manifestly what it's there for. As I say, it's it's the place where you can be solar openly and still be and be actually lauded for it if you're doing good things. It's if doing it in the realm is hard mode, doing it in the scavenger lines is easy mode. Because you can go to bonfire and sure, some luck shines might try and hunt you down, but the the rest of the cities you do it in Nexus. Nexus was like, did you cause any property damage? No. Okay, carry on. Mm. Yeah. You do it in Great Forks, someone will give you a job. <laughs> yeah, although, again, Lookshy will probably be knocking on your door. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would still find, um, as much as it's easy mode, you still need to find some ways to restrain them in some sense. There, there yeah. needs to be some token challenge. <laughs> yeah, it's more, it's more that I... The Scavenger Lance is the place that you can go when you want to actually have for use of better where you want to have a villain as compared to the whole setting is evil. Because yeah. that is the place where no no no. This guy you have to go to Bonfire if you want to fight him. Yeah, you can do it here and there's less repercussion whereas in the realm. Oh I have to go I have to use all my assets, go to Bonfire to defeat this guy. But the moment I do that I've basically signed my own death warrant. Yeah, you can pull that off in the West as well, to, yeah. to, um, but to a lesser degree. It, it depends on what your campaign setup is. If you want a more conventional land-based one where it's not all about piracy, um, then Scavenger Lands kind of have to have. Equally, the Scavenger Lands is good if you're in dungeon calls because it's literally yes. full of dungeons. Um. Yes. Yeah, I, I would personally lean away from that simply because um, dungeon dungeon crawls are there for for when it's a challenge to overcome the monsters. Yeah. Um, I, 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 um, we'll, well, we'll find this out in the next section, but, um, I would kind of take this as a, um, as kind of a, pr- of a prelude to something else and mm. as a, a session rather than, a, yeah. rather than a way to run a campaign. Yeah. I mean, I, I've done some dungeon crawly bits in my games. I tend towards, well, a better Zelda-esque dungeon design where it's less the monsters in the dungeon that you're worried about and more, because again, this is the Gamma is exalted. Welcome to the Magitech Emporium. Do you know how this place works? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, the whole place is a puzzle. Mm. And this is how it fits together, that sort of it. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. And with that, did we want to get to our um to our last section, which is basically we've talked about a bunch of story hooks and ideas here, um, and we will be to keep keep on talking about about story hooks and everything else. This is where we get to the point where we fleshed everything out. 
um, to the point where hopefully it's something usable. Um, and when we get to the um, to the Wondrous Atlas of Creation website, which I believe in the interim or at least the start of it, um, will be wondrousatlas.wordpress.com. Um, and then you will find write-ups for all the stuff that we're about to talk about um, in a usable form for um, for being um, part of your part of your uh, adventures. We may we may have campaigns written out here. We may have sessions. Anything in between, um, depending on what stories have seized us. Um, I, I've I've already vaguely teased mine. Um, I've set, um, I've got my particular campaign set up. Um, I call it Retake Your Ancient Heritage, which is a game where you are tracking where you are tracking down artifacts and you are essentially finding your own tomb. Um, is the is the is the culmination of that story. I'll get to it in a bit more detail um, when we get into conversation and stuff. But Rails, did you want to talk through yours? I was gonna say as we as we sort of have here the. The structure here is both of us, without communication on it, go- went off and wrote what we thought would be a very, not necessarily the archetypal, but a very good, in this case, solar adventure. Aramithius went for a nice sort of artifact hunty, dungeon crawly, well, not dungeon crawly, but, you know, go go to places, find loot sort of thing. I went to the complete opposite. Welcome to Pirates of the Blackstone. Um <laughs> <laughs> we, we're going much more swashbuckling, much more... Uh, awesome. Not necessarily that, it's more... Uh, yours has room to breathe. Mine... Yeah. And you'll see this the more I, the more I do these. I, I tend to write adventures at a very, very clippy pace. Right. <laughs> Which, it mm-hmm. works for the players I tend to associate with. Your mileage mm-hmm. may vary. <laughs> That's fair enough, yeah. Okay, so... Um, I'll t- I'll talk through mine first because it's I think probably the qu- the quicker of the two. Um, I-, I kind of had a vision of this being either in the scavenger lands as the most likely place, or somewhere or somewhere in the south. Simply because my visuals for the- um, for a lot of this are um, are kind of sand covered ruins and the like, um, mm. and so on. Um, the um, the the biggest thing about the, about this, the um, the the end the end goal of the thing is basically find the find um, the solars find their old artifacts from um, from their previous reincarnations, um, which gives you um, which gives you a, a possibly possibility of putting some reward at the end of a campaign, as well as setting up some um, both some character development and the possibility of seeding something else as you go. The key thing is kind of preload a lot of the of the stuff before the actual finding um, to get the players invested. Um, I kind of imagined this as sort of an initial scene setting for a larger campaign, maybe. Depending on how fast you want to take it, um, it could almost even be a, um, a prelude setting where they get, where they find the artifacts that they've all bought as merits, depending. a lot. And a lot of this will depend on what your, what your setting is. I had images for kind of multiple contexts for this that the, the key thing is that here um that the player characters find find out that there is um there's there is an artifact smuggling ring going on in this in the city that they're, that they're a part of um typically um if you want some way to kind of drag them into it make sure that it's clear that um the funds for this are going to um are going to line the pockets of an antagonist that they that they already know about um, so they have a reason to disrupt even if they don't think oh artifacts let's have those instead of instead of random person 
they can know that oh if we run interference here then it's going to help uh, it's going to it's going to disrupt our um our big bad so there's either con- there's conversations somewhere depending on what the the tone of your circle is um the the images that i had were either um a watering hole near near some docks and traders or or, or traders that um, you, you're over. You're overhearing some of the smugglers talk about where they're pulling stuff from. Pulling stuff from, depending on, um, depending on where they are. Or if if it's a bit more upscale, you hear about conversations um, in a tea house that are potentially linked to an auction for um, to an illicit auction um, where the where these artifacts are being um, are being auctioned off. Um, then you can either engage the smugglers directly and squeeze squeeze out the location wherever. Um, from them wherever they go, um, from wherever they're going in whatever way. So that's either intimidation or saying you obviously need protection. Um, let's let's act as an escort as you get your next load. Um, however you will. Um, for for the tea for the tea house and 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 the auction house, it's a case of finding out what finding out who's supplying the auction is, um, and and ev- and everything that's involved there. Um, you can potentially name drop some of the um, some of the dragon blooded involved. Um, I had a um, um, I had the kind of the eventual masterminders, the sort of industrial scale Indiana Jones, um, being a, um, um, being um, being a tepet who's down on his luck and really not a fit within a military house, so is trying to des- trying um, trying trying to do her bit um, for the um, for, for 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 the house by procu- by procuring either procuring stuff for the war effort or being entirely selfish and thinking, well, I'm not going to find glory in my um, in, um, because of my house. I'm just going to get rich. Uh, depending on what motive best serve your best serves your campaign. Um, so um, they're either they're either funding the funding the auction um, or they're running the dig site. So um, depending on how you wanted to run this. Um, I had visions of either helping the helping the smugglers out or beating up the smugglers, taking the map. Um, that um, that's saying ruins here. Um, then um, then there's the then there's the journey from the from the city to the um, to the place, um, which I kind of envisioned as a um, as both a, as both a way to set the scene, have some prophetic dreams in the weeks that it takes you to get to the site. Um, uh, as well as potentially making sure that they're not followed, um, have um, um, have have some bandits waylay them on the way, particularly if they are silly enough to take a huge ca- um, a huge caravan, um, and and also to potentially hobble them a bit um, and let them feel their limits. Because if they don't plan, let those environmental hazards sink in. Let them feel the effects of starvation. If they just want to say, ah, we have the map, let's run. Um, and off they go. Then yeah, this is going to be several weeks. You're going to be living off the land. So if you didn't take survival, it's going to hurt. Um, kind of, um, kind of idea. So once, um, so once that sort of, um, once that, once that is up with whatever encounters you want to throw them on the way, um, either with the, with the smugglers or um, the organisation that's running the um, the auction, however um, however you want to spin that, they they arrive they arrive at base camp, um, which is very very obviously um, a ruined um, a ruined city, and it's getting it's it's badly maintained apart from this one tomb, which is very very obviously something that's built 
um, in a different style with different stone to everything else. Because the way I see that um, so solar tombs is that they were built by the dragon-blooded to appease the ghosts. So they're not part of the solar empire. They're something that's grafted on top. Um, is, is very much how I see that. Um, so you arrive, you've then either got to reckon with the guards and tear through everyone, um, or um, if you're doing the diplomatic route, you turn up and talk with the head of the expedition with um, with Tepit Kinra, um, persuade her that you know roughly what you're doing and that you can help out, um, or what, why, sh why she should bother with you as something for her enterprise going forward, um, then head and then head into the tomb um i had um um i had th three three chambers of traps which is again designed to soften up the solars rather than do anything particularly bad it's make again make them feel make them feel their limitations which is a good trick frankly um because you can't really fight environmental hazards very effectively so if you want to soften up solars um, to the point where they're actually going to feel their vulnerability, then use environmental hazards a lot. So there's things like there's things like fire traps, noxious gases, um, in particular chambers, and things that emphasize the the the, the layout of and the and the dragon bloodedness of the um, of of the actual tomb. Um, like um, I set 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 a fire trap in um, in the room where all the embalming was done, um, which is set to cremate everything in the room if there's un um, some unauthorized kind of movement in there the and the the, tr the trick is that the um the the trigger to go into the next room is a um is a statue of hesieth of hesiesh which has a claw out uh, claw out stretch sorry just to translate hesiesh is the um one hesiesh is one of the immaculate dragons who's so um who was responsible for making sure that all of the people who were massacred during the usurpation did not rise as hungry ghosts. So there's a, there's a statue of Hesiesh with a with a claw outstretched, and either a dragon um the trap shuts off either when a dragon blooded touches it, um if you've managed to persuade um Kinyara that she should come along for the ride and keep and keep her alive, or you smear dragon blooded blood on it. So, depending on exactly what the party have done with her, there's a way through. Um, li li little little tricks like that to kind of disengage the traps and move move on to the next room. Yeah. Um, I'm I've not got a lot of. Um, I'm not I'm I'm not really a huge fan of dungeon crawls in Exalted because, as I say, I don't consider them a challenge. So I've just stacked these one room after another um, because, and I also think a tomb wouldn't be designed as a maze anyway. Um, and then the, the the final the final chamber um, is an um, is an encounter with um, with the um, with the ghosts um, that can either can either be a can either be a fight depending on um, how um, how you want to present them or um, or a negotiation or and an expansion of the um, of the characters. Um, own histories. Um, if um, if Kinyara is still alive, then. Um, then it's a perfect opportunity for her to absolutely flip when the ghost very obviously realise what the players are and she either attacks you or flees out of the place and attempts to seal you in. And that and that's pretty much the end of it. You deal you deal with Kinyara however you see fit and the remainder of the retinue that are in kind of a mark a kind of a tented village outside the place, um, running the actual dig. Um and 
Yeah. And then you stride off into the sunset with your new shinies, which are tailored to what the players, um, what's best suited to the players. Um, there's lots of, um, this will involve a lot of work with, um, with the players to work out what, um, what story elements are going to key in with the, um, um, with, um, with the characters and make them drive it forward. And, little tricks like i was thinking of ways to, if they wind up fighting um the solar ghosts um then i also saw it that um you could potentially tack on some of the some of the solar charms that the players have taken um onto the um onto the hungry ghost stats mm. um as well as expanding the dice pools so that it's very obvious they're fighting some sort of mirror image of themselves yeah, yeah that 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 that's that works that is and you'll hear us say this a lot of tailor this to your specific party because yes like okay yes that's generally for rpgs in general you want to do this but exalted in particular ceases to function if you don't mm. yeah which is why i was trying to present multiple or multiple ways of getting on board with it if they're low class go with the smugglers if they're high class go with the auction house yeah, uh, that sort of thing uh, I've kind of just foregone that mm. bit of how, <laughs> of how you onboard it because I'm I'm pretty much assuming you won't use this as the first part of your adventure. There's yeah, it requires the players to already have well, to already have a boat, uh, <laughs> which is a, yeah. bit, a bit to us. But equally, like it's I like starting in medias res for lots of stuff, and that's pretty much what my thing does as well. It's like you know, yep. if if you're slotting it into an adventure, great, do it after they got the boat. If you're not. You have a boat. Begin. Uh, <laughs> the but yeah. Setting wise, my one. You could put it in the west. The west is the place that I wrote it in mind with. This doesn't even have to be on the water. Is the thing that I have sort of realised across across the whole of now. You can put this anywhere that there's a death lord, or really anywhere that there's a significant supernatural power. You could do it with a fair with a with a particularly powerful fairy if you knew what you were doing. But it's easiest to do with Deathlords in any flavour, because this is, as you'll see, it's much less about the piracy and much more about the people. Mm. <laughs> Excellent. So, welcome to the West. Um, I'd start this in Medias Res. Again, if, if you're putting it in the middle in your Western game, this is when your party already has a ship of their own. If you're putting it anywhere else, you can actually just have it start at point of here of raiding a uh, raiding a guild raiding a guild a guild slave ship to free all free all free all the slaves take them back to this local island stroke if you put them on land somewhere town or whatever the whole thing is basically start at point of start for this adventure thing it's keying in no no, no your party you are heroic that's the one thing you do have to keep with your players it's like you're not going to be you're not going to be the whole ugh, morally grey slightly bastardly soulers like, <laughs> you can you can do atrocious things to these guilds of them, but you are you are doing good, and the local people, if they know you as Solas, they know you as Solas secondary to knowing you as, oh, they're the guys that keep freeing those slaves and keep screwing over the guild or the realm or any other number of people doing bad things. Like, you are, again, in the West, you are the, you are the kind-hearted pirates sort of thing. Everyone knows you steal for a living, but you steal from the bastards and have made our lives a bit easier in so doing. Mm. I've sort of set this around the Blackstone Archipelago, which we'll get to in our Western episode. Uh, it's a funny place to be. It's where all of the ghost pirates live. Uh, yep. It's 
And basically, you do that as you're sort of opening to session one. If it's new players and you just drop them in in media threads here, which I wouldn't really advise for this one, but you could still do, is to get them used with the combat system. Um, because this won't be a ship battle. This will be a you swinging in on ropes, yahar, pirate fight. So it's yep. just a regular fight that happens to be on a boat. And you'll be going to drive back the people that you freed to drop them off to drop them off in the on a nearby island in a nearby town or whatever. When you see there's a bunch of ships stroke smoke coming out from the town if you're on land again. Uh, and at this point I'll stop giving the land based alternative because it'll be obvious from there. But you see a bunch of ships around the place flying the black flag of the uh, of the Bodhisattva anointed by dark waters, who is the local death lord. And here I'll open up right now. I'll get angry letters that you've misunderstood how the Bodhisattva is. Yes, uh, I haven't read much about the Bodhisattva. I am assuming this off Death Lords in general, of which my point of experience is Walker in Darkness and the Mask of Winters. But, basically, he has sent an agent to this island because he demands tribute for whatever reason. Be that be that in the form of treasure, or be that in the form of people, depending on how dark you want your tone to get. It's... But he's got someone there to exact tribute as you're, com as you're coming back. And... You don't really... The key here is basically to get your players to hate this villain right out the gates. So you're having them arrive just a little bit too late. It is against smoke coming out of the town. They didn't have enough to pay. Um, and so... As you get there, the sort of first major choice that your players have is, okay, they're packing up and leaving. Do we chase these enforcers, or do we go in there and try and see if there's anything left to save? If they go in for seeing if there's anything left to save, give them some people that have survived. Make the place full of zombies. Give them another. Give them another easy enough fight for someone like them, especially because their soulers and these are undead, um, which is something else we didn't mention. That's the cheap and easiest... That's one of the easiest things that you can have them fight. Solar anima damages undead. Because true sunlight messes them up. But yeah, mm -hmm. give them some zombies to fight, all of that bit. And the few villages that are left can be used to sort of big up this abyssal enforcer that he sent out there. A, a death knight that, in the case of mine, I refer to them as the Fang of the Drowned Beast. Because all abyssals have to have extremely melodramatic names. It's the law. Um, yep. <laughs> Um, but if they go to chase, if they go to chase the enforcer instead, uh, we tacitly assume the village didn't have any survivors, and because well, even if it did, it wouldn't if you decided to ignore them. Um, and you get to teach us teacher players the sailing rules as they get involved in a sea chase. I have issue with the sailing rules, but it's important to know them. <laughs> <laughs> They're not good. Mm, find a home. No. <laughs> find a home crew. Someone's made good ones. Somewhere, um, yeah. But you can do you can do a sea chase with them, trying to hunt, mm -hmm. trying to hunt them down. Probably in your yeah. one clippy ship to there, quite a few ships, but only one of which has anything scary on it. With obstacles, please make sea chases interesting yeah. and descriptive because uh, there's there's nothing more boring than rolling dice representing you catching up to someone in blue water. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I'm, I'm tacitly assuming these are, because they're sent by a death lord, they are ghost ships, so the danger is coming from them rather than the inclement water. So it's the thing of like, yeah, yeah you, might, you might roll dice a bit, but the moment they know you're after them, it's like, ah, yeah, now, roll dice while you're being attacked by ghosts. <laughs> yeah, there is and that. It's, it's that sort of thing of maybe even doing the alternation of trying to have, like, 
one player take one player in the party try and take the helm to roll the to roll the dice, but that means that they don't get to go that round in the combat when you haven't ghosted them. Something gimmicky like that. Whereas you get to basically choose between keeping control of your ship or stabbing the scary things that are trying to fly at you. But yeah, you can either way you do you do that and if the party if the party went to the village, they tell them who they tell them who this enforcer is, they tell her what she's about, how scary she is to pick her up. If they chase her, they get to try and hunt her down. Probably drop one of the ghost ships, but not hers. It's it'll be the bit of you see her sort of sneering over the back deck as she just gets away, sort of bit. And at that point, this Really, this is one that you can stretch out to a a very select number of sessions, depending on how many episodes of this effectively you want to do. Because there are lots of little things you can do here with this person as... If you are the Pirates of the Caribbean, this is your Lord Cutler Beckett, who is coming in, being a bastard, ruining someone's day. Like Some of the little ideas that I sort of had is basically you going to some of the towns that actually do pay tribute and busting people out of prison, or raiding the places dry... She's coming in pretty much at the head of an army all the time, so it is, much like we were saying with the Wild Hunt before, it is, no, 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 you don't pick this fight, you run away, but you are slowly bleeding them dry. And you as a storyteller probably should keep track, especially if you're giving the players the choices. I would always advise to keep giving them the choice of how much of this they want to keep doing um, before, basically, you decide to come into the come into the climax bit, which would probably be a a straight-up, not necessarily ship battle. I'd actually rather do this one on land, just because ship combat really doesn't lend itself to feeling dramatic. Uh, <laughs> um, so, the way that I sort of have this put is pretty much one of the local one of the local elemental courts of water, the sort of equivalent way you get sea gods, the Bodhisattva has decided that he wants them on side. But if he gets, if he gets them on side, that's basically put an end to you and all of the freedom in the waters out here. And you basically do get to do the end of Pirates of the Caribbean 2 with the whirlpool and the big scary sea thing. Except instead of scrapping with it, you're trying to convince it of your... of your uh, Effectively, you're trying to convince it of on who to side with. Presumably <laughs> while also fighting this abyssal. Because if you want maximum drama, it being a elemental, which are... They're not stupid things, but elementals are simple. That's not thick, it's yeah. just they are what they say on the tin. And so yeah. you have this one be basically like, no, okay, prove you're better than them, and yeah. get through classic scrap. Um, That's also one way of getting different types of character involved, yeah. um, because if you have a more social character that won't necessarily want to be involved in the combat, then they can still take a, they can still play a part in the climax. Yeah, and it's that sort of thing of basically fighting while arguing politics with a massive sea monster. That's how I'm imagining this water elemental looks. How um, very anime. Exactly, that's the point. Uh, <laughs> and it's sort of the thing of the goal here isn't actually to isn't actually to kill to kill your opponent. It's just to convince that thing in the middle because once it's made its mind up, both of you kind of know. Yeah, it's not going to change. It's elementals, but that allows you to then, if you particularly want to, if your party particularly falls in love with this absolute bastard of an abyssal, you can use them as a sort of recurring villain across this saga, and then probably bring her back in maybe once or twice more before the players finally get to put her down. <laughs> well, for good. Um, but it's it's that sort of thing of, this is one that can go on for, you could probably do it in two sessions, or you could do it in about 12, depending on how many vignettes, effectively, you slot into that middle section between yeah. that first chase where you meet around the climax. 
yeah that makes sense if you kind of have the kind of the um you could almost use that as that sort of tension building that you have you introduce them to ver- um, you get introduced to various lieutenants of hers throughout yeah. the whole process um each of whom's doing something particularly villainous on this particular island yeah uh, and, so it's, yeah. and it's the key sort of thing of it's how to make sure that this sort of adventure section is enjoyed with your players but doesn't overstay its welcome so you can tailor yeah. exactly how long it has to go on for um, yeah and equally as well like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be on the water. It was completely designed with the West in mind, complete with sea monster at the end. You can do this anywhere there's a Death Lord and just have them be bullying the local populace and then a grand finale near some big supernatural monster that they want. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think that's... <laughs> yeah, well, we, I've got we, a lot we, more we... anime. <laughs> oh, yeah. But with, with, with both of these, an awful, as I said, an awful lot of it seems feels like it's very dependent on... Um, on on the on the party and make make sure that you have links and hooks of ways to get um, yes. ways to get your um, to get your players invested. Yeah, um, I which could assume with mine that you will, that your party is already familiar with the place and likes the people. Yes, like make that just be their home or something. Yeah, absolutely, and that's also something you can kind of link in with the um, with that midsection of island adventures um get um if, if they have particular locations or particular people that they've cre- they've created a character gen you link that in at that point yeah and it's it's basically an excuse to do all of the pirate stereotypes mm. <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yes fantastic okay i think that is that is us us done for this episode thank you ever so much for for taking the time to listen to us we have been the wondrous atlas of creation please if you have any questions or anything you want us to look at um please do email us at wondrousatlas at gmail.com and uh, because um because i'm well aware there are multiple ways of spelling wondrous um this has the e in wonder in it does this and Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It is wrong. It is wrong in the show notes. But if you actually look at the actual email, okay. it has the e in it, <laughs> which is why I'm clarifying this now. Um, yep, it was wondrousatlas at gmail dot com, um, or find or find us on Twitter. The, the show is at wondrousatlas. We do hope you've enjoyed it. And next time we will be discussing the mates to the solars. Well mates consorts advisors whatever way you want to spin it and we will be going into all of the connotations and reasons for that we will be discussing the lunars in the furry episode (laughs) absolutely thank you ever so much for listening and goodbye thank you for listening to the wondrous atlas of creation's destiny an exalted podcast presented by aramithius and rails Check out the show notes and story seeds from this episode at wondrousatlas.wordpress.com and if you have any questions, drop us an email at wondrousatlas at gmail.com. The opening music for this podcast is Travelling to the Blessed Isle by James Semple and the closing music is Exploring Creation, also by James Semple. Both tracks are taken from the album Exalted, Dreams of the Second Age and are property of Onyx Path Publishing, used with permission.